the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. I want to thank Stacy for sharing and inviting us uh, into that time of prayer. Thank you for continuing to join us as a congregation, as a body, as a family. We lift up our brothers and sisters in Ukraine throughout the weeks ahead. I want to share with you how thankful I am, how full my heart is, as I look back over the past two weeks and hear that uh, many of you signed up to be chosen, to give voice to a child in the Democratic Republic of Congo, to say, yes, I'll be chosen to enter a life-transforming relationship and partnership with that child and really with his or her community. So over the past two weeks, 26 children have had the opportunity to to, uh, choose a sponsor. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, that's in addition to the 14 that were already being sponsored through uh, folks here at Bethany. So there are 40 kids uh, currently sponsored through Covenant Kids Congo from this congregation, in addition to other uh, child sponsorships I know that some of you have through other organizations. So thank you, thank you for that tangible act of love and service uh, to someone you've probably not yet met. This morning, we're concluding our series called The Medium is the Message. Over the past several weeks together, we've considered this this kind of awe-inspiring notion that God has chosen us, us as individual children of God, individual followers of Jesus Christ. God has chosen us as his church, as his body, to be the medium for the message of his love that he longs to communicate to a world very much in need of that love. God has chosen us, our fragility, our failings and all, to communicate his love, to share the good news about Jesus Christ in this world, for us to engage in tangible acts of service to our neighbors near and far. Because at Bethany, we've said that a key part of our shared mission together is to serve our neighbors, both near and far away, and to continually be involving more and more people in that shared act of love and generosity. As the medium for God's message, we are people of service. And we involve people to join us because we know that there are those who who actually come to faith by serving in the church. We know that, that all of us grow in our faith as we turn and take the focus off of ourselves, focus on serving someone else, coming alongside them, walking alongside them in life, and demonstrating God's love. Our faith grows and finds fuller expression as we serve together. As we learn from the story of the Good Samaritan what it looks like to be a good neighbor. In our time together these past few weeks, we've seen that God has put together the church. He's actually fitted together the parts and members of the body of Christ with Jesus himself as our head, but all the parts with their varied and numerous gifts and skills and abilities and passions and interests fitted together for the purpose of mutual service, that we can be serving one another, and that as a body, as a cohesive body, we serve in the world much more fully than the sum of our parts. There's something incredible 
that happens as the body serves in this world. We've seen that the love for our neighbors that we demonstrate will draw us into proximity with them. It'll draw us into relationship with them. We saw that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is kind and patient and forgiving. And so this kind of love for our neighbors will, will ensure that our acts of service aren't always just one act, one-off acts of kindness, but more often will lead us into opportunities for genuine relationship. We see in Scripture that Jesus was the medium for the message that God sent into the world. And as he did that, we see that Jesus came in flesh, came in bodily form, and modeled for us what love and service to our neighbors looks like. We say that Jesus is the model of incarnational ministry. Incarnational meaning simply that we do it in the flesh. We do it in bodily form. We show up in people's lives as we love and serve them as we bless and get to know our neighbors. Last week, we saw that these bodies we show up in are really nothing more than jars of clay, stuff made up from the dust of earth, destined someday to return there, but jars that God has stuffed full of holy treasure. And as we serve our neighbors, the glory of God shines through our jars of clay, shines through us, and out of us. The scripture that was just read said that we're not like Moses who, has, who veils his face to hold back the glory of God. Instead, as we bear the reflection of the glory of God, people see it on our faces and in our lives. We saw as we studied Matthew 25 that as we serve our neighbors, as we show up in their lives and on their turf, our acts of service really matter, even the little ones. Jesus said that every time we feed the hungry or provide clothing or shelter to those in need, every time we visit those who are sick or in prison, every time we offer a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, we are actually serving him. And this morning, as we conclude our time together in this series, we're, we're going to, in a sense, come back to the beginning and see that God invites us to a series of new beginnings every time we serve our neighbor because we are made new creations, made to do new things, those acts of service that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So let me read for us 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
So here in Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, he's writing to young Christians, and we get to listen in and understand that through God's Spirit, Paul writes to us as well. And we hear that God intends for us to have lives that are completely turned around by the truth of the gospel. Paul writes, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Now, maybe like me, you, you hear in these words of Paul a, kind of a wake-up call. Paul's being kind of matter-of-fact here, and he says, well, here's what we do, people of God. He says, from now on, we don't look at people from a worldly point of view. And he uses the example of Jesus saying, you know, we used to do that with Jesus. We used to look at Jesus from a worldly point of view. There was a time when we looked at him as just another man. Or maybe there was a time we looked at him or heard about him and wonder if he even existed. But Paul says, but as we came to faith in Christ, we came to recognize so much more in Jesus. We no longer looked at Jesus from a worldly point of view, but saw that he is in fact the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Holy One, God himself. And Paul says, just as the blinders came off our eyes with Jesus, so we no longer look at anyone from a worldly point of view. Just as with Christ, we be, our eyes became wide open and spiritually aware, we don't use worldly lenses with anyone as people of God. And if I say it's a wake-up call because I recognize that this is an ongoing challenge for me, and maybe it is for you as well. Because Paul is saying if we don't look at people from a worldly point of view, then that means we don't look at someone and see first how they're dressed. We don't look at someone and see first where they seem to stack on a socioeconomic ladder. We don't look at someone and decide how much of our time they are worth or even get a sense of what their intrinsic value even is. Looking at someone from a worldly point of view means we make calculations and assumptions based on someone's looks or choices, their gender or race. And Paul says all that stuff, all that stuff needs to be filed onto the list of things we used to do, things we used to do before we came to see Christ for who he is. But now as Christ has opened our eyes to spiritual reality, we see people for who they really are. People created in the image of God. People deeply loved by God. People whom Jesus came to save and to give eternal, abundant new life. It's as if we picture every person from now on as someone who's, who's an eternal being wearing a t-shirt that says, beloved by God, enough to die for. Paul says we don't look at people the same way anymore. He goes on to say, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Other translations say, if anyone is in Christ, that person has become a new creation. So Paul's talking about metamorphosis here. Metamorphosis, this word that we probably hear most often these days when we talk about a caterpillar getting into a chrysalis and transforming into a butterfly. Metamorphosis is defined as a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one. 
by natural or supernatural means. And I love that even, even the dictionary acknowledges supernatural spiritual transformation. In his book, The Life You Always Wanted, Pastor John Ortberg writes that the Greek word morpho is one of the richest words in the New Testament, explaining when morphing happens in our lives. We don't just do the things Jesus would have done. We find ourselves wanting to do them. They appeal to us. They make sense. They become more natural. We don't just going around trying to do the right things. We become the right sort of people. This is change from the inside out. And to emphasize this point, Ortberg relates the story of a woman named Mabel, as told to him by his friend Tom Schmidt. Mabel was 89 years old and had lived in a state-run convalescent hospital for 25 years. Strapped up in her wheelchair, Mabel was blind, nearly deaf, and alone. Her face was disfigured by cancer. And Tom once asked Mabel, what do you think about all day long? Mabel replied, she thought about Jesus and his sustaining goodness in her life. Mabel was someone who was living in a jar of clay filled with heavenly treasure. Judged from a worldly point of view, she would appear old, tired, and tragically broken. But in Christ, she was in fact a new creation. Paul says this is the reality for all of us who are in Christ, who have placed our faith in him. Paul writes, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. We've been reconciled, Paul says, so that we can then go and be reconcilers. We've been made new creations, and along with that metamorphosis, we've been given new identities, new purpose, called and sent to be reconciled reconcilers. We are the medium for the message. And that message is that, that sin really matters, but that because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of the gift of faith available to all who believe, God no longer counts our sins against us. Isn't it amazing when someone doesn't hold something against us? Think of that, that feeling you get, that feeling that comes from, uh, not from someone ignoring what you did or just simply disregarding it. Actually, the feeling that comes from someone naming what you did, naming it as, as wrong, as big, as hurtful, but then almost in the same breath saying, and I don't hold that against you. That's deep love expressed in full forgiveness. Not a forgiveness that says, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to put you on probation and kind of watch you for a while and see how things go. This is forgiveness and love that shows up like the love of the father for the prodigal son in the story that Jesus told. This no-holds-barred, embracing love that says, you are mine, 
and I forgive you, and I love you, and I hold nothing against you. The, the father in that story, when asked why he was making such a big deal about the return of this son, said, my son was, was gone and considered dead, but he's back and he's alive. And this is the truth that Paul is hammering home here in 2 Corinthians 5. He's saying we were gone, we were dead in our sin. But by the grace of God, we are back. We are alive. We are welcomed and forgiven. We are brought to life as new creations. And with nothing holding us back, Paul says, we're now launched into this new mission and identity as ministers of reconciliation, every one of us. Paul goes on to explain as we are, how we are now ambassadors of Christ. He says, God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul here is saying basically, you know, I'm, I'm not content just to, to sit around and wait around hoping that you hear about God's love some other way. He's saying, if you haven't yet, yet received that message, I implore you, I beg you, get right with God. Be reconciled to God. Not by trying to be perfect, but by instead taking on the righteousness of God himself through the one, Jesus Christ, who though he was without sin, became sin. Another translation says, became a sin offering for us on our behalf. And so this morning, I just want to say, if there's anyone here who has never come clean before God and said, yeah, I'm, I'm broken, I've, I've messed up, I'm sinful, I need that forgiveness, I need that restoration, I would love to talk with you after this service, talk with you more about what it might look like for you to live a life with, with nothing held against you. And I know that any of our pastors would be thrilled and honored to have that conversation with you. And for those of us who have already found this new life in Christ, we've got exciting news. And the news from Paul is that we've got work to do, exciting work. We get to serve our neighbors with acts of love and with words of truth, words of good news that God can use to utterly transform lives to move people from darkness to light, to move people from death to life. We ourselves are very much works in progress. We don't have this completely figured out. But as we continue to allow God's power to be at work in us, to continue that process of metamorphosis, he'll also empower the works we do in his name, that they might, that they might be part of God's kingdom work here on earth. Paul says God is making his appeal through us. And so it's a big responsibility. It's exciting. It's a bit intimidating. I imagine what it must be like to be appointed an ambassador, to be sent to another nation and say, well, you're going to speak for us. You're going to stand for us. I can imagine the mix of feelings that would come with that. A mix of nervousness and excitement, purpose and uncertainty. And I'm sure we feel that as we think about being sent as God's ambassadors in this world. It's potentially intimidating, but it is definitely an honor. 
And so I think it's appropriate for us to read these words of Paul and to kind of be scratching our heads and say, really, God? Like, that's, that's the plan? Your plan is to use us as the means to share, to have your love shared with the world, to have the truth shared about new life in Christ, to use us as plan A and to realize there's no plan B. And I can almost picture God smiling as he says, yep, absolutely, so get after it. And that's what we get to do. We have had way more treasure poured into these jars of clay of ours than was ever intended just for us. The treasure that's been poured into us was meant to spill out all over the place as we walk among our neighbors and share life with them. God has chosen us to be the medium for his message. And as new creations, as new creatures in Christ, we're allowed to live a whole new way. We're invited to look at people a whole new way. Christ himself will be revealed in us as we do this work, as we let his transformational power continue to do its work in our lives. Christ himself will be revealed in us together as people look at the church, look at this body, and see how we love one another, and as we turn and pivot to love those around us. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, we are humbled. We are honored to think of ourselves as your ambassadors, people that you have chosen to speak on your behalf, people you've chosen to shine as beacons of your light and love in a world that so desperately needs both. Lord, would you keep us faithful in the days ahead? Thank you that as you give us this task, you don't expect us to do it on our own power. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who is at work in us, sanctifying us, renewing us daily, and empowering us to do those very things you call us to do. God, renew our confidence and faith in you. Renew our joy and our identity as new creations and as your messengers. And in all of this, we ask that you'd bring glory to your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.